Hi everyone, David Harris with you here for Criminal Injustice and a new case out of the Supreme Court on Double Jeopardy. You may recall that when we did a little preview of this term Supreme Court cases, one of the things we talked about is the way that the Double Jeopardy Clause, as it has been interpreted for more than a hundred years, actually close to 200, was in play. This was through a case called Gamble. Terrence Gamble was a defendant in the state of Alabama, and it involved something called the dual sovereignty doctrine. The idea for 170 years has been this, that if you are prosecuted by the federal government and then by the state government, those two prosecutions do not trigger double jeopardy. I'm sure listeners understand and have uh, recollection uh, somewhere deep back in uh, high school civics or something about the double jeopardy clause. It's the piece of the Bill of Rights that says a person cannot be put twice in jeopardy uh, for the same crime. But there's this long, long long-established exception, and that is the dual sovereignty doctrine. The idea is if the federal government and the state government are prosecuting you, those are two different things, and therefore it does not violate the double jeopardy clause. So if you were prosecuted, let's say, by the state for a particular crime and you were found not guilty, that should be the end of it. Well, unless the federal government picks it up and prosecutes you there in federal court, that's allowed. That's been a long-running controversy, certainly among academics and others. Uh, Well, the Supreme Court now has had a say on this very old exception to the double jeopardy rule. And in the Gamble case in June of 2019, the Supreme Court ruled, nah, we like the rule as it is. In a 7-2 ruling, uh, Justice Ginsburg and Justice Gorsuch writing their own separate dissents, the Supreme Court said, 170 years, that's good enough for us. We're not changing the rule. The dual sovereignty doctrine stands. Now, for a lot of people, this had lots of interest because it seemed to pertain to President Trump and his proclivity to proclaim his use of the pardon power as a way to get around what was going on in the Mueller investigation with prosecution of various people around him. Most uh, most prominently, of course, Paul Manafort, who's been convicted in federal court. And the president has made noises at various times, not recently, but at various times, about pardoning people. And if he pardoned Manafort, well, the federal pardon power would excuse him from any federal verdicts. And that's all he's had so far. But the question was, well, okay, if he if Manafort got a presidential pardon, what about if there were state charges? And we saw and actually commented here on criminal injustice about how prosecutors in the state of New York seem very interested in Mr. Manafort and they would likely get into the act of prosecuting him if there was some showing that the federal government, uh, that is President Trump, was going to pardon him for any federal offenses because a presidential pardon would not carry over into the state arena. And if the Supreme Court had altered the dual sovereignty doctrine and said, nah, uh uh-uh, one bite at the apple, that's it. Uh, It doesn't matter which prosecutor, federal or state, does it. If the Supreme Court had altered that, that might have changed the scope of what might happen to Mr. Manafort. Well, guess what? 
All that speculation was for naught. The Supreme Court decided not to alter the rule. And so the president, should he decide to pardon Manafort or anybody else, uh, that pardon would only be as to federal crimes. Uh, That, I think, was all pretty much of a sideshow. I have to say here that I agree with dissenting justices Ginsburg and Gorsuch. I don't think that this exception to the double jeopardy clause has any place anymore in our world in which prosecutors are very powerful. And uh, I don't like the idea and never have that if the government at one level doesn't have success at prosecuting you, they can simply come back at another level, the federal level, the state level, and try to get you again and basically just kind of keep trying until they get you. That was the thrust of Justice Gorsuch's dissent. And I have to say, I agree. I think this rule is a historical anachronism, doesn't belong in our jurisprudence anymore and should have been overruled in this case. Didn't happen. Nobody asked me. What a surprise. So uh, to give you one example of where this has happened, what cases and so forth, the one that leaps back to mind always uh, comes from quite a few years ago. This was the trial of the four police officers. I believe it was four who uh, were seen on an early videotape, early 90s. This was during the first Bush administration uh, administering a, a savage beating to Rodney King in Los Angeles. Those four officers were tried in state court. They were acquitted. And then the federal government came in after that, tried them, uh, and got a different result. Uh, and to a lot of people, I think that seemed unfair. Uh, Not that you would or wouldn't want those police officers convicted, but hey, they've been in court once, they face the charges, then they have to face very similar charges in federal court. Didn't seem right. And that's only one example, a very public example of where this this power was used. Uh, I would just say, I think in uh, today's world where prosecutors at any level are quite powerful, uh, this needs to go. But it won't and it didn't. That's it. That's your news bonus. The decision in the Gamble case, the federal state dual sovereignty doctrine still exists. Uh, We're with you for all the latest criminal justice news. Always there with a bonus for you when it's necessary. I am David Harris for Criminal Injustice. Back with you next time. Criminal Injustice is written by David Harris and produced by Josh Rollerson. Interviews are recorded at the studios of WESA in Pittsburgh. For more information, links, and past episodes, visit criminalinjusticepodcast.com.